Hello and welcome to Into the Wild, the podcast that brings you wildlife facts, conservation updates and nature stories from the professionals to you. This episode of Into the Wild is brought to you by Leica Sport Optics. If you're like me, money can be tight. I'm not rolling in it and yes, that's probably why I've got long hair. Save money wherever you can, right? So when it comes to binoculars, money is one of the restrictions. I don't always have the total amount up front and I could probably just pay it in dribs and drabs. Well, that's where Leica helped me. Leica have created a new way to shop. Introducing a 0% APR and a 9.9% APR on a large selection of items. Available online, this new program guarantees peace of mind when purchasing your bit of Leica kit. You even get to pick the right financing plan for you. You can read more about this program on the Leica Online Store UK. And now, on with the show. Hello everyone and welcome to Into the Wild. I am your host Ryan Dalton. As always, thanks for clicking play on the pod. How have you all been? I hope you've enjoyed the weather. We've got a day of rain today in London. It is absolutely in it down. But we've been spoiled rotten with the warm sunshine and the beautiful summer weather. What nature have I seen in the lo- <gasps> Oh, that was it. This week <laughs> That was intense. This week I saw my first cinnabar moth. Ah, oh, buzzing. Absolutely. well, it wasn't buzzing. It was fluttering. I was buzzing. You know what I mean. It was beautiful. So now I'm heading to that same area of the heath with the dogs every day. I keep, keep the dogs on the lead around this bit. Um, because there's ragwort everywhere and I want to look out for the pillars. The cinnabar pillars. Because they're beautiful. Black and yellow. Ah, oh, love them. But anyway, enough of my... Bla- well, I say enough of my blabbering mouth. It's my podcast. I can talk as much as I want, people. Let's move on, as we always do, on Into the Wild. And start with 60 Second Nature News. Let's see how long this takes. Wally the walrus has landed in the Isle of Scilly, first spotted in Ireland, then Wales, Devon and France. Can someone get this animal a sat-nav? Wally is doing more travelling than Dominic Cummins testing his eyesight during a global pandemic. An orchid believed to be extinct in the UK has been discovered growing on the rooftop of an 11-storey London bank. It is only the second time that the small flower tongue orchid has been found in the UK. The previous colony was found in Rainhead in Cornwall in 1989 but was destroyed in 2009 as a result of land mismanagement. The 15-plant colony in London is believed to be the only one in the UK. The plants grow to about 30 centimetres and typically have between 3 and 12 tiny flowers which are usually orange. Sea eagles have appeared in Loch Lomond for the first time in more than 100 years. A pair of white-tailed eagles, commonly known as sea eagles, were first spotted in Loch Lomond National Nature Reserve in early March 2021. They have been observed nest prospecting, basically searching for suitable nest sites, suggesting that they intend to stay. And finally, the Sussex Wildlife Trust announced that the rare Sussex emerald moth has returned to Sussex. Caterpillars have been found at Rye Harbour, confirming that this stunning moth is breeding once again in Sussex. That's the end of 60 Second Nature News. I think that was about 60 seconds. Okay, that was, uh, I think that was 60 seconds. That was about, wasn't it? I, I never know until Oscar sends me the final product. I never know. If that was 60 seconds, someone buy me a well done badge, right? Because I think I did well there. I did all right. It also only took about two minutes to get through the whole thing. So I know, Oscar, you're listening to this. You're proud of me? Saving your time. Anyway, let's move on to today's show. Today we are talking about squirrels. <laughs> Who doesn't love a squirrel? Well, apart from people that manage trees, but I, I, I like squirrels. Squirrels are undoubtedly cute. You cannot say 
if you don't think squirrels are cute, then you're not welcome here. <laughs> Certainly not on today's show. Go somewhere else, right? I don't want you listening to the podcast if you don't think squirrels are cute. There is only one person in the entire planet I think I could speak to about squirrels, and that was wildlife filmmaker Danny Connor. Danny went viral last year with her incredible squirrel content. <laughs> it's such a wonderful phrase to say. Um, Danny, I'm not going to give too much away because Danny goes into wonderful detail on the show, so I'm not going to ruin that. Um, but basically, Danny, in the wild, looked after four baby squirrels that were, um, unfortunately, their mother uh, was killed. So she knew they were there, so she went to go and um, kind of help them out and make sure they survived. And in doing so, built this incredible relationship with these four red squirrels and made a short wildlife documentary called The Squirrels and Me. On this episode, I talked to Danny about that experience, about filming squirrels, about how to use content like this as well to build awareness of animals on social media. We have a good social media chat um, and how nature can really work on that on those kind of platforms. So anyway, enough of me talking. Let's move on to the show. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Filming Squirrels with Danny Connor. Hi Danny, welcome to Into the Wild. It's lovely to have you on the show. I was going to say that it was a warm day where I am, but you're in Mexico, so now I feel like I can't say that. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty warm here, 31 degrees today. Uh, yeah, I thought as much. Yeah, but we actually had a crazy thunderstorm yesterday. It's the first time I've seen rain here. Really? And for about one hour, full on thunder and lightning. I love was... storms like that though. I know. They're it was epic. epic. Yeah, was really I, cool. I had a massive... I was, I was in Shanghai a couple of years ago. Not Shanghai, sorry. Um, Kuala Lumpur after I was in Shanghai. And the storm there was incredible. Like the rain, it was only raining for yeah. about 10 minutes. And already it was just like a foot and a half high in the streets. So I was like, this is incredible. But um, on saying that, in London, we're waiting for rain. It's not rain for about eight weeks. It's weird. Yeah, I've heard. Yeah, we're in like a spring really drought. Dry there. Yeah, it's not good. Like everyone's like, this weather's awesome. I was yeah. like, yeah, but we could do some overnight rain, to be honest, lads. Like we yeah. could do with some. But yeah. Um, so yeah, I was going to show off with the temperature. It's been like fourteen degrees Celsius <laughs> today, <laughs> and then you've come in with your Mexican thirty-one degrees Celsius. So um, I'm actually getting a bit bored of it. Oh yeah, it's really hot, and it's only going to get hotter. Well, you've been used to Scandinavian temperatures, haven't you? Yeah, so when I was in Sweden, it would get down to minus 30 <laughs> and minus five got comfortable. I could sit in a forest for a few hours in a sleeping bag, various layers, yeah. and I was good. I was okay. Warm. But when it hit minus 25, you have to keep moving or you just, I die. Your fingers stop working. I die. I'm six foot seven, yeah, 12 that- <laughs> stone, Danny. There's nothing on me. I die. <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, it's definitely intense. Wow. Well, anyway, that, is, that was our weather chat done. Um, but it's <laughs> lovely to have you on the show. I'm so excited to talk to you because I'm sure you're used to this. I've been following you on social media for a, a fair few months. I saw you once your YouTube film that we'll talk about later came up. And then on from that, I've just been like, if I ever feel a bit down, it's like, let's go on Danny's Twitter and see what she's been tweeting with squirrels. And it picks me back up. <laughs> so it's lovely to uh, have the chance to chat to you. Before we crack on, I should say this, the listeners won't know Danny, but I do need to give you a warning. I'm actually about, I've had a long day. I'm actually about to have a whiskey as we do this. Okay. It's only 5.30pm in England. It's a Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can't have anything right now. It's 11.30 in, uh, in uh, You Mexico. could. I'd probably I'm just ask water. you if you were yeah. all right. <laughs> 
<laughs> but I just wanted to, but before I pick it up and have a swig, and you're like, is he? Is he on the whiskey? Um, I'm on the water. You're on the water. You've got the whiskey. I've got the whiskey. Yeah, I've the had water. a few coffees. <laughs> um, but anyway, let's get to question one for you, Danny. Can you start by telling us and the audience who you are and what is it you do? So I'm a professional wildlife photographer. I can say that now. <laughs> well, actually, I've been a bit in a weird mindset at the moment. Mm. Am I a wildlife photographer? Or am I a social media influencer or content yeah. creator? And uh, I think we can talk about this a bit uh, in a bit, but I've been thinking recently how wildlife photography is changing mm-hmm. and whether social media is the future for wildlife photography because no one prints yeah. photos these days. But yeah, so I am a wildlife photographer and I studied zoology a few years ago, but at the moment wildlife photography and posting all my images and video on social media is what I do. Nice, nice. That's that's really interesting what you said about the... I've never thought about that, the evolution of photography as we go into the world of online and digital or get deeper into the world of yeah. online and digital. Um, so you're, it, it's so evident from following you on your social media accounts that you're, you've got such a great love for wildlife and nature. How did that start for you? I've actually been doing the wildlife photography for 10 years. Wow. And... It started when I would go to my local forest in London and I would take my dog for a walk there. And I wanted to take nice photos of him. So I borrowed my dad's old DSLR and I took some photos and slowly started to notice nature around me. And as a child, I was always interested in animals. My parents used to take me to the zoo, but I wasn't really interested in wildlife. And when I started to pick up the camera noticed nature around me and I just became obsessed with wildlife photography and it evolved to I wanted to understand wildlife like in a scientific sort of way Mm. so that's why I ended up going into a biology zoology route. Nice and I've got to ask whereabouts was it in London what what forest was it? Wimbledon Common. Nice Nice. I'm north. Yeah. I'm north, so, but it's okay. yeah, it's nice. I love Wimbledon area. Yeah. It's nice to so hear someone get hometown of the Wombles. Yeah. <laughs> Is that what got you into it? Was it? Like, I've got to go find them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the, it's the Wimble, Wombles on the common. Yeah. Yeah. That's nice to hear that you know you found your love for nature and wildlife whilst being in London as well. I, we don't have that a lot on the show. Obviously, when I talk to people, they might live in London now, but it's always like, yeah. oh, do you know, I had wildlife on my doorstep and. You know, I was I was living on on the edge of Sherwood Forest or all stuff like this, but we don't often get you know. Well, I was in London, yeah, so that's quite nice. Yeah, no, for sure. But I'm quite lucky where I am because for, it's a 20 minute cycle, and I can get into Richmond Park. Wow. And 15 minute cycle, and now I'm in Wimbledon Common, so I can go to you know true old oak mm. woodland. So I'm quite lucky where I am. But you can go into central London and see foxes herons that can be hand fed yeah (laughs) some crazy wildlife in central london it is mad actually when you think about it because i i I love talking about city wildlife i love london um and i'm right so i'm uh kind of islington way so i'm not far from Hampstead heath and highgate woods you know so you've got some ancient woodlands up there as well and the the wildlife you do see when it is out it's flooded like you, you know in the summer swifts are everywhere around here like it's a hot spot for swifts and birds and you've got like kestrels around Hampstead Heath it is once you know the spots to go to for wildlife in London it's packed full and it is actually a great opportunity to practice photography I find 
because it's also the wildlife is used to people quite often. Yeah, a lot of the wildlife is tame. Mm-hmm. You can get close to foxes yeah. and various species quite easily. And for you, squirrels, which we're going to be talking about today, I mean, I don't know if you practice photography with squirrels in London, but that must be easy for you in London. I'm sure it is easy. I haven't really photographed grey squirrels much in London. Yeah. I was mainly focused on the uh, red squirrels. But yeah, you can focus on some pretty tame species and get some great shots and really practice your photography in London. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Right, so we we actually, on that note, I'm going to move on to our topic. We're going to be talking about squirrels. And do you know what? Oh, Danny, I'm going to be honest with you. If I had said this time last year, Ryan, you're going to be excited to chat about squirrels, I would have been like, all right, mate, whatever. Like, I, I wouldn't, yeah. Because it's not really an animal. I do love a red squirrel. They're, you know, unarguably adorable. No one can say yeah. they're not. Um, but it's just not an animal I would have got excited about until I've been following you on social media and I'm like, I've got to know more about yeah. these animals. So right, I, I, my first question's got to be, Danny, how did they become a love of yours? Yeah, well, squirrels are now all I talk about. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> but I went to Sweden this time last year mm. and, well, March last year, and I was planning to stay there for a month. And I was actually a volunteer for a professional wildlife photographer. Mm. And so the sort of what we had set up was I would help with preparing food, preparing guest rooms, taking off bed sheets, putting new ones, that kind of thing. But that would only take like a couple of hours a day. And the rest, I was free to photograph wildlife in North Sweden. Wow. So I arrived to a, a small village covered in snow, forests everywhere. And I slowly started to notice the squirrels in the forest, but they were very nervous and I couldn't couldn't get near them. Mm. And we put up a bird feeder and squirrels find bird food very quickly. (laughs) Best way to do it. (laughs) And uh, Exactly. (laughs) And they started to visit every day and they were still really nervous. Like I couldn't even open the window without them running off. Oh, wow. And... Yeah, they're, because they're hunted over there. From people? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. The area I was in is a big hunting area. They hunt bear, mm. lynx even, wow. squirrels, various birds, and it's quite normal over there. But there's all, also some fantastic wildlife to photograph. Mm. So I started to create different setups, like camera traps and things and they got used to the camera first before they got used to me Mm. and after a couple of months I could walk out and they started to get comfortable this was around the house and then I was like I'm gonna go into the forest and see if I can do anything and they were actually more comfortable with me in the forest than near the house more trees it was their territory Mm. and it didn't take long before they were coming right up to me in the forest they wouldn't do this near the house and I got to know various squirrels, and that forest has a piece of me now. That's yeah, love so it cool. Much. What a great sentence to say. I don't know if you thought about it, but you need to get that on a T-shirt. Just go, I've got to know various <laughs> squirrels. Like, it's yeah. such a lovely sentence. You, am I right in saying that you rehomed, a, or not rehomed, sorry, you um, rescued or adopted some babies, or you helped some babies out? Yeah, so that was a fun story. Um, <laughs> so at this So this was after a couple of months and I got to know all these different squirrels and I could name them. So I could identify them. I knew who was a dominant squirrel, like a male, female, submissive. Like I knew who was Mm. shy. 
they all have quite interesting personalities. And I had no idea that a squirrel was capable of having its own personality. They do. They are, <laughs> they do different things. They're very funny. And there was one squirrel I really liked. Her name was Remy. And she was great because she would do this face, which reminded me of the rat from Ratatouille. And his name was Remy. <laughs> so that's yes. why she was called Remy. Uh, so she had this funny face and she was very comfortable with all my setups. And she was the first squirrel to be the most confident and be like, yeah, I'm going to try this jump setup that this human has done or this camera trap. <laughs> so she was super chill, really liked her. One day found her next to the road and she'd been hit by a car. And mm. I knew she had kits or baby squirrels somewhere in the forest. Yeah. And so I went there the next day after leaving her body in the forest and I found a baby squirrel. And I was kind of like, oh, crap. These are really young. They don't have a mum. They probably don't have teeth. What am I going to do? Try and catch baby squirrels, run around the forest catching baby squirrels. And I left some water and some peanuts and it turned out they did have teeth. They were old enough to eat solid food. And so I started leaving fruit and nuts and seeds and they survived. Wow. So I never took them out of the wild. They stayed yeah. in the forest. I didn't need to hand rear them or anything. And yeah, it was an amazing experience to get so close to these tiny baby squirrels. Yeah, it looked... it. <laughs> Some of the footage you've got from it is just incredible. And just it, it's so nice to hear that as well, that you managed to do that within their own environment, wh where they were used to it and comfortable being, I guess. Did you have a favourite individual of the babies? Was there one that we... I, I mean, that's, that's like asking a mother, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, well, harsh <laughs> question, but I sort of did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I knew it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, there was one little squirrel who is definitely the most known baby pear. pear he liked to eat pear obviously and uh <laughs> yeah. yeah he was a baby so baby pear and um he was the one who went viral so i put a microphone in front of him whilst he was eating yes he made some adorable squeaking noises and yeah twitter loved it so it got i think 16 million <laughs> views is what it's on now That's, that is insane yeah so that's where it really started for me like yeah i post that video thinking not much about it. And I could see the the views and retweets just ticking away in the first 45 minutes. I was like, okay, something's going on here. So I responded quickly. <laughs> I posted like a thread. I was like, look at these photos, share the story. I was like, follow me on Instagram, please. And uh, yeah, I just gained 60,000 followers on my social media platforms in like 24 hours. That's mad. Yeah. The other thing I love about that is Baby Pear has no idea how many people have seen him as well. Yeah, oh, I think that's hilarious. He he will just never know. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't think animals quite under will never understand no, what a camera never. is or no what's going on. Yeah, it's just it's just so lovely. And I saw I, I know the video you're on about. Obviously, I know the video you're on about. Um, but my next question was going to be actually, how did you manage to bring people closer to those animals? But I guess like you've just explained it there. Did you find kind of getting the animals closer to the microphone was actually a big part of that because. We've seen squirrels before, but I don't think much. I mean, I've not seen much of actually hearing them. And I guess yeah. that's actually where they really come to life. Did you find that the best way to bring people closer to the animals? Definitely. I mean, this past year, I've been working out what's the best way to connect someone with nature who doesn't really care mm. about it. And what yeah. I've learned from the past year 
is that it's adorable, cute kind of photos or short video clips that Mm. just immediately connect someone with that animal. And people hadn't really heard what a baby squirrel sounds like. And Mm. it's actually quite interesting because even the adult squirrels would make a similar noise because when they eat, they want to tell or signal to other squirrels that this is my food and I'm enjoying this. (laughs) Don't bother me. So that's kind of... I do that. Yeah, for sure. Me too. Um, (laughs) So that's the kind of noise that they would make to tell other squirrels that that's their food. And people didn't really know this. And it might be just something that only these red squirrels in Sweden do. I don't know if other squirrels Mm. in Scotland do this with the other red squirrels. But yeah, it's a really weird, unique sound. And a short clip just... It's easy to connect with and, you know, you go, oh, that's so nice and whatever. But like the rise of TikTok, people just want quick, yeah. short, rapid content. And it's really interesting to see how wildlife sort of content, photos, videos is evolving to this rapid, fast paced content. Yeah. And I've been experimenting with TikTok the past few days. Oh, yeah. And to me, it takes one hour to make a 20 second video (laughs) and i'm just like why am i doing this like i could spend an hour editing 20 photos and have two weeks of instagram (laughs) planned and i'm spending all this time to make this short quite frankly rubbish video (laughs) i know yeah but i i've been talking to a couple of guys who've gone viral on tiktok they've got Mm. one million followers on this platform and it's just crazy to think that this is how wildlife photography is evolving to this rapid video content it's it's interesting is it because we're always trying to bridge the gap between it's something we talk a lot about on the show is bridging the gap between science and public and i think we're so used to doing it across one media but now we don't and I don't think we can just separate social media away from like TV because social media is different depending on which platform you're on. Yes. So exactly. you're like, how do we make it work? For, we, we know how to make it work on Instagram. Instagram's also developing to be like others as well. And you've got Snapchat, you've got Twitter, you've got Facebook. It, 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 who's on which platform is different age brackets on which one. So it's a constant evolution of trying yeah. to get people sucked in. And usually I find, I don't know if you agree with this, you've done a lot more is it's kind of using social media as a trailer to lead on to the bigger stuff because then yeah. you've got YouTube, which because yeah. you made your uh, your film called The Squirrels and Me, which was about, you know, the baby squirrels. So did you find using social media was a good way to kind of trailer that? Yeah, definitely. But it's interesting because I've noticed that each social media platform has their own niche mm. and they all have their own audience because I upload my YouTube videos to Instagram, people don't really watch them. People don't watch videos on Instagram. They want to just see photos. But on YouTube, videos do really well. doesn't matter whether they're two minutes or 30 seconds or half an hour. And I was, when I finished my film, I was like, half an hour, that's a long video. I don't know if people are actually going to finish it. And my analytics show that most people watch the full film. So... At the time when I uploaded it, I I didn't have that many subscribers, so I wasn't sure how well it would do. And then someone on Reddit shared it on the homepage. And so I just had this massive influx of views and subscribers. And 
I wasn't sure how that film would do, but now I've got a following on YouTube. So it's weird how the way that we make content and how we consume content is evolving. But I think we still value TV more than social media Mm. at the moment, even though we Mm. might get more views and more minutes watched on social media or on YouTube. But I think TV is still more highly produced and perceived much much better and we value it much more yeah i i think that i think the one benefit I, 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 it could be a benefit it could be a negative i guess it depends on the way you look at it but i think the one thing that just social media has is it gives the opportunity for anyone to do it and that's the only difference as you've got tv has the production side but the social media whatever platform you're using gives the create or anyone to be a creator really and to really put that stuff out there like you have with you know your photos and your videos um the film when you made the film did you make the squirrels and me knowing you were going to make it or did you kind of have all this footage and then going i could make this into a film yeah well when i was in the forest with them i was taking photos and at the start i was just like okay i'm going to record video as well and see how it goes and after a month i thought i've actually got quite a lot of good clips so at that point, I decided to record like the B-roll, me walking into the forest to yeah. see if I can get a clip of me with the squirrels and photographing them, sounds of the forest, and also behavior, like them learning how to cache and them exploring more of the forest. And I realized then I actually was starting to create a story, a video story. Mm. And this is not something I'd done before. I, I'd done a couple of YouTube videos. They were more like tutorials or... Um, yeah. how I did this. And I started editing when I came back to London and I realized this is could actually be quite an interesting story. And I thought the the last chapter to make this feel like a solid story would, would be for me to return to Sweden and try and mm. find these baby squirrels again, which is what I did. So I went back in November, stayed for a month. It took me a couple of weeks to find the baby squirrels, but I did. And you know, I tied the story in that I created these individual connections with these wild animals. I learned their personalities. I gave them names. Then the story of the baby squirrels and then returning to Sweden to reconnect with these individual animals. Amazing. Um, I think people really engage with that story. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an incredible story. And it, it, like, I think you've, you've chaptered it very well. Like you said there, those three main bits, I think is how easy was it? I guess these two questions. Did it take a long time? Yes. To edit? Because you, did you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes. Next question, please. Yeah. I did like half of it and it, I'd already spent like 600 hours on it. I was just like, is it really worth? Oh my God. Yeah. I was like, is it really worth to keep editing? Like I had about five hours of footage for that film. And I was just like, after I'd done half, I was just like, I can't be bothered. So it did take me about a month <laughs> to get back to it and finish it. I don't blame you. You must get to a point where you're like, it's good. It's done. Leave it. Or do you feel like you always want to go back? I think I'm a bit of a perfectionist. I was like, no, this song yeah. isn't right. This is this sequence <laughs> is too long. This is too short. This voiceover sounds too cringy and too Disney. I need to record yes. it again. Yeah, all sorts of different things. Or I sound too I mean, robotic. I share that with you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I mean, all right, a little bit of background for the listeners as well. When I'm recording the intros, I used to script the intros to yeah. Into the Wild. 
And then I would do them about 40 times. Yeah. And I'd be like, this is yeah. ridiculous. And then I went, do you know what? Just be yourself and just do it off the cuff. And exactly. I did it. And they're so much, so much better. Yeah. So much, in my opinion. Yeah. I don't know if anyone wants Absolutely. to leave a review on that. Yeah. Um, now that I'm making regular YouTube videos with voiceovers, mm. I can do it in one take now. But before, I yes. would just spend hours, like a whole day, filming voiceovers. I sound mm. too happy. I sound too cringy. I sound too robotic. <laughs> all sorts. Yeah. This is why I have a whiskey when I do it, mate. It's not yeah. a healthy approach, <laughs> but it does make it more natural. Yeah, for sure. It would help. <laughs> um, we've got to say, we've got to tell people, where can they watch your film, The Squirrels and Me? That's on YouTube. That's the best place to watch it. Yeah. On YouTube. Sweet. So that if you haven't, I can highly, highly recommend it if you want some positive, lovely footage that will just make you feel happy, if I'm honest. Um, it was a great, uh, great film. Um, I want to talk about more about um, other wildlife you like, um, aside from squirrels, and not to put them to one side, but aside from them, what other wildlife do you, do you love? I think because I've had dogs since I was a child, mm. I've always appreciated mammals more. And... Mm. They always say mammals are the cute ones, like you should do insects <laughs> and birds because that's more of what a conservationist does and uh, everyone loves animal, uh, mammals already. But yeah, mammals have always been my interest. I mm. go to Richmond Park for the deer. I'm always at the rut. Yeah. I can cycle there, do a couple of hours in the morning, come back. Foxes in London. Yeah, I... I don't know. It's just, I think mammals are a bit more cuter. People engage with them more because everyone's got a cat or a dog. This is, this is a really interesting topic. I didn't realise we were going to come on to this because this is interesting when you look at the nature industry because there's quite a battle, isn't there? Yeah, I mean, people, if, if people are bird people and they photograph birds, they're just like, <laughs> oh, you just do mammals. Like, that's so easy. You just throw a sausage for a fox and it's going to come up to you. And it's kind of true. Like, birds do take more effort, but I think you can be more creative with mammals. Like, what I do, because I'm close to Richmond Park, I will wake up almost every day, September, Oct October, at sunrise. I open my curtains, check how the clouds look, and I then will decide whether I want to go, and I'll cycle there. Um, but nice. because everyone's got photos of deer bellowing, I try and look for different colours in the sky, different cloud mm. formations. So I look at the environment more than for the, the actual animal. I've got various shots of the sunrise behind the antlers and, and that's sort of what I'm aiming for these days, like creative ways of using light and colour rather than yeah. just the subject. Yeah, and I think with mammals, I, this is... I don't know why I'm always so careful. Do you know why I'm careful with this, Danny? Because I once said on the show and on Twitter that I didn't find <laughs> birds that interesting. And right. holy <laughs> did yeah. it cause a storm. Yeah. So much so that we're now doing a series called Getting Ryan Into Birding. Right. So I do regret the comment. Um, mm. But I've always, I've, I've always been insects and reptiles. Okay. Not massively, massively. I've never prioritised yeah. them over. Like I love mammals as well. And, but that's mainly because as a kid and getting into nature, I was always head down looking at the floor. So it was I saw more insects yeah. and I used to like lifting up logs and stuff. But I think with mammals, I think the reason why I appreciate them so much is because in England, they're not a common sighting. They're not something you see regularly as much yeah. as maybe an insect or a bird as such. So I think when you, you know, if you are on a walk in a woodland and you see a roe deer, then you're just kind of like, oh my God, there's a deer there. Like, it's such such a big deal. 
even yeah. though it's you know it's a deer there's there's a lot in the uk but it's just something you don't even if you see a rat in the forest you're like oh, what's that like it's something yeah, exciting that's and, true yeah um i think that's that's why i like especially like mammals um is there an animal you haven't seen in the world that you would like to or photograph bear grab bear bear yeah. yeah i well this is another interesting subject is there are lots of places in scandinavia where you can photograph bear and wolves and they just have a hide but like a pig carcass and uh the bears will come but it's very easy photography because you just go to this hide you pay for this hide they've done all the hard work the person who who has this hide and Mm. um yeah you're not really you're not really doing any hard work what (laughs) i did with the squirrels was quite different because these weren't tame squirrels it took me months to get close to them Mm. and actually uh understand how they how they work and their behavior. And um, it's interesting to go to a hide and all the work is sort of done for you. You just take the photos, this point and shoot. And yeah, I'd love to photograph bears where I'm doing the hard work. So I'm sort of learning how to track them. And and there are a few photographers who have done this, or even with camera trapping. I'd love to set up a camera trap and understand, you know, the territory of the core home range for a a big adult brown bear and do that work. But I'm sure if given the opportunity, I would go to one of these hides and do the, yeah. the easy job. Yeah, I, I guess it depends what you want. Like, you, like if you just want the photo, then that's yeah. where it is, isn't it? Just If you just want the photo and the experience of seeing one to get a photo, then that's, yeah, like you said, sure. that's the easy way. If you want a more kind of, you know, hard work experience or a bit more effort put in, then there yeah. are other routes as well. Yeah. I would love to see a bear in the wild. Yeah. I would it, love to see a bear in the wild. Yeah. I want them back in the UK. Let's get them back. Um, <laughs> well, that's also another thing uh, with your comment earlier that mm. we've hunted a lot of our mammals to extinction. We don't have lynx. We don't have bear. No. So seeing mammals is actually quite a unique experience in the UK. Like if you yeah. go to Scandinavia, it's still hard, but you can see a wolf and these apex predators much easier than... Well, you can't in the UK. Simple as that. Yeah, I, I just, I just think it would be, and this is what, <laughs> this is what I said on getting Ryan into bird in the part one, is that you know the bird is uh, Jack Badham said to me on there he was like, but you can see birds everywhere. I was like, yeah, but that's why I don't really, you know, you can just see them everywhere. But mammals, it's a big deal if you see one. Like even a fox in the street, you're like, oh, it's a man. And you can, like, yeah. I, I quite often like, so like you know, sit down on the floor. We get them across the green on my house. When I take the dog out, my dog's quite good with them. She doesn't bark at them. She just watches. And I can sit down. They come within 10 foot of us and just yeah. sniff. And it's just lovely to sit and be with a mammal that's yeah. wild, even if it's urban, well, in that moment. I think that's an experience you can't really have with birds. You can't have a bird approach you and look you in the eyes and try and see mm. if they can trust you and if they can get closer. Yeah. Birds just sort of come in, they get their bird seed or they, you know... <laughs> Uh, it's a very We're going to be quick... trolled by birders now, Danny. Yeah, damn. <laughs> I love birds. You've had to open up the floodgates. Yeah. <laughs> mm. we, we, we were talking about, uh, when we talk about social media and like use it, you know, whether it's photography or videos and stuff, um, how do you think that benefits wildlife? Well, with me, my mission is to engage people who don't necessarily go out to see wildlife. and. Mm. It was interesting, before I went viral, I had predominantly a photography audience on Instagram. So I had a lot of other wildlife photographers who 
watched my videos and I posted a few tutorials at that point so they were sort of seeing how I approach wildlife photography and after I went viral my audience completely changed I've got more mm. younger people which means they are I hope people who aren't like birders and naturalists so they're just people who well I hope like just kids who go to school and they're seeing my photos and they're seeing not just squirrels I do photograph other things um, <laughs> yes you do yeah <laughs> so they might be more inclined to go to a forest and try and see maybe a squirrel or another species mm. and that's sort of why I'm focusing on TikTok a bit at the moment because the audience is young people predominantly and there's a lot of rubbish on there but there is there <laughs> yeah. is some wildlife stuff good wildlife stuff and if you engage someone who's quite young with a video about a squirrel or whatever, then maybe they'll be more interested in connecting with wildlife on their own. This is a similar sort of point of view with zoos, because they're not that great, they're not that ethical. But if you go, if you take a child to a zoo and they become engaged and connected with this amazing wild animal, then they might turn out with, to be someone like me, because I lived in London. I was not interested in animals that much until I went to London Zoo and safari mm. parks where you drive through, like Longleat, for example. Went there several times as a child. And my parents are not interested in wildlife whatsoever. So it's about that first connection for me with wildlife. That's yeah. sort of what I'm doing with my social media. Yeah. Do you have any big, like, do's and don'ts for wildlife photography or social media have you have, i mean i guess within the year i guess it's for you you might have got some would you if you were to advise anyone with photography or filming or even on the social media would you be like definitely don't do that or definitely do that yeah absolutely i've got some like core rules never touch wildlife always respect it let it mm -hmm. come to you don't chase it i mean i went on tiktok today and i saw a clip of someone trying to put a toy hat on a wild squirrel. And I was just like, that's not the type of content that needs to be on TikTok. No. You can't, you don't want to encourage young people to try and touch wild animals because it could lead that animal to develop bad behavior or, you know, mm. the person could get hurt or bitten. And yeah, it's just not good. It's great that we can go to a city park and get so close to, you know, various ducks and goose and uh, mm. even parakeets if you go to Hyde Park you can yes. hand feed a parakeet yeah. and I'm not sure whether that's an ethical approach to wildlife so yeah I definitely don't touch wildlife or I try and always encourage people to respect wildlife yeah you can get close to some uh, urban species but just be respectful with it that's that's a good rule that is a good rule because I <laughs> as much as I because I agree with you on that but it's also so hard as well because like sometimes you're with it and you're just like you there's that human instinct to go you just want to go a bit further but it's it's quite often a restraint obviously i'm not talking about putting hats on squirrels that yeah. is another level <laughs> i'm on about like you know if you find a frog there's that want to go i want to handle it like that. yeah that's the level i'm talking but it's it is hard and it's you have to really put that in your head to go restrain like even I saw a huge gathering, like gathering of tadpoles. I don't know if that's a collective name for tadpoles. I'm not sure what um, the uh, group what, is. There a... Yeah, what should we call it? I don't know. We got to make. Should we just make I mean, one up? I mean, gathering sounds quite interesting. I mean, they do gather to mate, so it could be a gathering of tadpoles. They do. 
A taddle of tadpoles. <laughs> I quite like that, actually. That's quite cool. A taddle, yeah. yeah I saw yeah. a massive taddle, right? It was... Epic. <laughs> awesome. Um, and there was a few kind of in the shallow water and they were. I, I think they were going to be stuck. They weren't going to make it out kind of thing. And I had this moment on my own. I was like, I really want to help them. I really yeah. want to move them. Do I? Don't I? Do I? Don't I? And I was like, but there are so many. The, the species as itself does not need me to save these few. Yeah. But Ryan's heart is going... Just put them back in. And I will say, I will admit, I did a couple, but I didn't do all of them. I did let a few back out. But it was, it was a real hard moment as a nature lover to go, I'm between this rock and a hard place now. What do I do? Yeah. I um, do you ever find that with wildlife? I don't think there's anything wrong with that because you're only going to be holding or, you know, touching these tadpoles for seconds. It's not going to impact yeah. or disrupt their natural behaviour. They're not going to mm. suddenly want to go into people's hands or anything but if you (laughs) like there's some squirrels quite near me in mexico in an urban park and i've noticed these squirrels know human noises so if you go they immediately look up they understand that this means i'm going to feed you and because they're fed so often they are just looking into your pockets they know where the food is and so what mm. I try to do is, because they'll come right up to you, they'll climb on you, no problem. I try and put wow. the food down and move my hands away so they don't associate yeah. my hands with the food. Because then they'll yeah. just start, they could mistake a finger for a peanut and go, mm-hmm. oh, I've got to take a bite of that. Um, yeah. And I'm sure those squirrels bite people all the time because people aren't careful. So there are definitely things I do do and don't do. Like, for example, mm. I did feed those baby squirrels for two months. And Mm. towards the end, when I knew they were independent, well, getting to that stage where they were becoming independent, I did reduce the food. I would sprinkle it around, for example, so they have to forage for it instead of having a pile and they just sit there. So there are Mm. things you can do to make, if if you want to get close to nature, you can do it in a more natural way. But yeah, I don't touch wildlife. Like I don't even hand feed squirrels. I try and put it on the ground and move my hand away. Yeah, and move back. Yeah. Don't you find it... (laughs) Do you find that the universal noise for attracting an animal's attention is that's just a noise? Well, actually, I used, go to. I used to have a fox that would follow me home from school. It was such a weird experience. <laughs> but I would whistle and he recognised my whistle. So, yeah. Really? Yeah. Caspian. What, a... You named it Caspian? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um... Danny, that is the most middle-class name for a fox I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. So... Yeah, this uh, fox was quite ill. So I was leaving like a peanut butter sandwich with some treatment uh, every night on my drive. But he got to know me. And so if he saw me walking home from school, I would whistle and he would just follow me home because he wanted his peanut butter sandwich. (laughs) And also behind the fox was a line of very skinny children as well, just following down. (laughs) Follow her. You get get peanut butter sandwiches if you follow her. Just listen for the whistle. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, before we wrap up, I'm going to ask you, you're in Mexico at the moment. I'm not sure if you're working on anything specific. Are you allowed to tell us what you're doing there? Are you filming something specific? Are you just there for lols or filming? Yeah, lols. Just living, enjoying. Just for lols? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, oh. yeah, I mean, it's cheap to live here. I'm hardly spending any money. I sort of wait until it's a good time to travel here. And then I've been to Oaxaca, uh, which was on the south coast. So I saw, I got really (laughs) close to crocodiles. 
So that's a new YouTube video coming up. How, yeah. What cute... Oh, like what crocodiles? Mexican crocodiles. That's the species. Mexican. Yeah, I was really confused sorry, with this. So I was like, "What's?" Yeah, but they are massive, and you can get right up closer. And this is also, they hand feed them. They just go up to what? these, yeah, these massive adult squirrels and uh, squirrels, crocodiles. <laughs> <laughs> My brain is just squirrels. Even when crocodiles. you're talking about another animal. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they just hand feed these crocodiles fish, and uh, I was just like, "That's not something you should be encouraging." They're big, and people—they're three meters long, and people are hand feeding them. Yeah, I, yeah, it's not good. I mean, the the one they were feeding is a pregnant female, so she's a bit docile. But they're mm. those crocodiles are used to people walking past, and I wasn't going to get that close. I kept my distance. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a crocodile. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I'm not walking up to it like I do with a squirrel. You know? Fair, fair um, point. So yeah, I did that trip, and in a few weeks I'm going to Cancun. So hopefully, oh. spider monkeys, uh, howler monkeys. Yes. Do you want to swap lives for a week? <laughs> uh, like you're going to say no. Look at your face. You're not no, really. you're literally about to say no. Like, even though I know you're a dog walker, no, no, not happening. <laughs> Um, right, let's move on to our last question. This one's the hardest one, um, Danny. If you could pass on one bit of advice onto everyone regarding the natural world, what would you pass on? Just keep at it. It took me 10 years to get to this point. I was doing wildlife photography for a long time before I went viral. Um, but there is that small chance that one video, one photo is just going to blow up. And it does happen. And yeah, just keep at it. Amazing. Nice one. Danny, it's been such a pleasure to chat to you um, about squirrels and more and crocodiles. I didn't know that was going to come up. But, um, <laughs> it was so nice to, um, to get the chance to chat to you. All the best living in... Me- how, do you know how much longer you're going to be out there? Not that much longer. I'm hoping to go back to Sweden this summer. So Nice. Okay. Maybe six well, weeks. Well, enjoy... enjoy- oh, that's still a lovely time. Um, enjoy... <laughs> enjoy the last six weeks of your time in mexico um i hope it's lovely and all the best when you go back to sweden um and i'm sure we'll keep in touch yeah absolutely thanks for having me thanks again for listening everyone if you'd like to keep up to date with the projects and work danny is working on you can do so on social media her tags are in the write-up of this show along with the link to her wildlife documentary the squirrels and me a reminder that any views or opinions expressed in today's show belong to the person who said them and do not represent into the wild or anyone that we have worked with or are affiliated with. Into the Wild always aims to be a free show, however, running and producing it is not free. If you'd like to support us and say thanks, then you can do so by buying me a coffee. Our Kofi link is in the write-up of this episode, or you can even have a look at our merch store. Again, the link is below. And finally, 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 you can get in touch with me at intothewildpod at gmail.com or on social media, Into the Wild Pod on Twitter and Into the Wild Podcast on Instagram. Whether you just want to say hello, share some thoughts on an episode, or let me know what you want to hear about next. Until next time, keep well, stay safe, and live the good life.